You're listening to Allied Health Podcast, talking all things Allied Health, with your hosts Danielle Whedon, physiotherapist, and Claire Jones, occupational therapist. Today we're joined by Lance Piccioni, CEO and founder of the non-profit organisation Love Me, Love You. During his career as an AFL footballer, Lance was diagnosed with anxiety and depression, and rather than seek help, he turned to partying and serious substance abuse with frightening consequences. Thankfully, by being truthful with himself, his family and his friends, Lance turned a corner and sought help. From this experience, Lance established Love Me, Love You in 2013 with the aim of helping young adults take control of their mental well-being and to live happier, more fulfilling lives. Lance, welcome to Allied Health Podcast and more importantly, happy World Mental Health Day. Oh, World Mental Health Day. What a day. What an amazing day and what an amazing day to be joined by two beautiful people. So thanks, Danielle and Claire, for having me. Looking forward to our little chat. Now, for all you've experienced, Lance, from your own mental health challenges to founding Love Me, Love You, what does World Mental Health Day mean to you? What's it about for you? I think it's, it's a really, really good question. And it's, um, I think there's a lot of substance to the day, like any other social initiative type of day um, that people put around there, these types of awareness conversations, awareness projects sort of thing. Um, and World Mental Health Day for me, it's a really interesting day if people use it the right way. Okay. Um, you know, in terms of the messaging trying to be spread, there's not as much of a, um, a marketing hoo-ha about it, you know. So it's actually a genuine substance of day of recognition, um, you know, across the world for mental health and this is the fact that just opening conversations around it and making sure that people are understanding that, you know, we're all going through this journey together, hopefully, um, and we're more open we can be to these types of conversations that surround days like this, to, but to make sure that it's just not left on a day like this, Yeah. Mm. Um, and I speak many times about these social initiatives around suicide prevention day, you know, AUK day, mental health day, is that when when the people that are actually in the midst of their struggles, days like this can actually make them feel more alone, okay? So it's not about the awareness piece. The awareness piece is, is it's all been done. If you haven't been, you don't know what mental health is, um, in terms of the concept of mental health, it's a different understanding. The concept of mental health, you're not aware of it. I'm not too sure where you've been. You sort of head in the sand, sort of thing. Um, but I know from myself that these days around like AYK Day, these sorts of things, they actually, even on top of my battles at, the moment, at this current time, they actually make me feel worse. Okay. And I say that in the nicest possible way because of the. They're supposed to help uh, decrease the stigma associated to the concept of mental health, but it actually increases it because people are actually taking the piss out of the conversations, okay? So, you know, the big marketing hoo-ha, you go, I mean, you, go, you go, to go to a workplace and people are asking every 30 seconds, are you okay, are you okay, are those sorts of things that come around it. So it's, you know, it's really building it back to that, you know, every day is a day for our mental health because that's life and we've all got it. We're all depending on where we're on that sort of uh, the continuum. Um, but just about sort of normalising the conversations around it. Um, so for me on days like this, it's just another day of recognition of the fact of the battles that I have been through and the battles I still go through. Um, but what am I trying to get out of my life and who am I trying to get out of my life with? Um, you know, and bringing it back to what's really important and creating a lot of perspective around what it's about. Yeah. And do you think there's importance in um, in publicising the resources 
the services that are available on days like this, Lance, so that, you know, for people that are struggling at the moment and are alone, it's an opportunity to say you're not alone. Yep. This, is, this is where the help is. Come to us now. Yeah, 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 definitely. And I think, but that's an everyday thing for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what people really get to understand. It's, it's an everyday process, um, not waiting for certain days like this to promote or share a positive message or share a message of connection or where to get the service, where to get the support from. I think it's really important for people to be able to do that and create consistency in that process. Um, and you know, to have a long days like this, as I said, it can get lost in the lost in the midst of all the communication, the lost in all the translation of everything. But I think it's really important that you know, even for us, I love me, love you. As we released a song today uh, in collaboration with um, Maddie Charles and Andrew Loadsman, you know, "Call to the Broken Hearted." That's an that's a social initiative for us to actually spread another sort of message, create another connection into what we do. We recently had a, a you know a luncheon to launch our Never Alone campaign um, through all our programs and everything that we do at the foundation. Um, but, you know, every every week is an opportunity to do something. So it's, you know, trying to create a, um, uh, try and create an easier way for people to navigate to their health system. And I think that's what we need to be able to do. And that's, you know, from, from what you guys uh, do at Many Recruit and, and in your lives and in the professional world and your social world, it's actually trying to help people on their journey. Mm. And I think that's the biggest piece. Um, you know, we, we at the foundation, I love me, love you, we don't complicate we try not to complicate it, a complicated, complex system. Yeah, and the mental health system is really complex for a lot of people to understand how to navigate it. And when I say navigate it, it's actually just okay, identification, self identification. How am I feeling? What am I doing? How am I emotionally regulating? How am I physically re- regulating? And how am I actually connecting it to, to the brain health? And then actually going, okay, well, I'm needing certain help. How do I have this conversation? How does someone have a conversation with me? And then how do I actually get the support that I need? Because I know when the battles that I lived, you know, from from many moons ago, when I needed to get the help that I needed, I was very lucky that I had a support system around me that enabled me to get there. So through my AFL days, um, you know, we had the AFLPA had a, 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 a connection of network that we were able to have access to. But I had my trusted doctor that I knew I could turn to who would actually help me navigate through the system. But a lot of people don't have that, okay? That's why people don't get the help that they need, the big barrier that they're trying to face. So we're trying to actually help navigate that system, help people navigate that system for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Claire's going to ask about your journey next and your story. But before that, most of our listeners are allied health professionals. Um, So if you've got any key message, so obviously personally and professionally, um, they will be very interested in Love Me, Love You. But if you've got any key messages, you get across to our allied health listeners. Yeah, I think I think a big part is you know that we all sometimes when you're in the medical world and your sort of professional world that you forget that you're human, right? And yeah. I think it's a big part of messaging around that. We do a fair little bit of work in the medical world um, with our connections and our networks and, and trying to communicate a lot of stuff to them. And it's helping people understand. Okay, well, you're not going to get it right all the time. Okay, and you're not in. You're actually not in solution mode. You're not there to, in terms of your, you know, you're connecting the mental health conversation to the, the, the clients or the people or whatever is in the network you're ever connecting with. You're actually not there to fix people because if you try and fix them, they're actually going to come back more broken, 
right? So it's actually providing the pathways, the journey and the conversation pieces so that people can actually, um, you know, understand what is it that I'm delivering for myself for my rest of my week because they might be with a practitioner of whatever sort, um, whatever sector, for an hour a week. So that is, right? <clears throat> the, long, the long rest of the week that they've actually got to implement all the things that are working through there. So, um, And I think it's about providing the framework. And this is what we deliver and this is what we help people understand is that we're not here to fix people either, okay? What we're here to do is actually supply a framework of what opportunities you need to be engaged with or do for yourself and how are you going to keep accountable to it, okay? So the messaging around it is actually, okay, well, what's the, what's the holistic plan around someone improving their health, whether it be through mental or physical, um, and improving it. But what's the relationship that actually comes back? Because when I'm putting my, all my eggs in one basket and trying to fix myself with just this, it won't work. So creating a holistic plan around it to make sure, okay, if something's broken, what are the steps that need to be, we need to be putting in place together, not you putting in place, we putting in place together to actually step our way through that. And if it doesn't work and it's not the outcome that I've, you know, it, because things take time, if it's not the outcome that we want, why didn't it work? What do, I, what do we need to tweak? What do we need to change? And I think this is, you know, coming back to from a professional point of view to personal point of view, a lot of people going, okay, keeping accountable to it and saying, okay, this didn't work for me. And that's the thing. This didn't work for me. It doesn't mean it doesn't work. It just didn't work for me. Okay, and so, you know, and we talk about this with self-care and, you know, preventive focus and all that sort of stuff, but it's making sure that people are understanding there's opportunities to move forward um, and that just because you, if something's not working for you doesn't mean that something else won't. Yep. Yep. Now, Lance, your story, Where? can I say it's a good story? It's a very raw and honest story, isn't it? Can you... <laughs> Yeah, can you give us an overview? Overview. Well, how long we got? <laughs> in, in a snapshot, you know, like I like many other people who you know got a story to tell, right? And I think that's the difference between myself and a lot of people is I have a platform that is my story is, is publicly communicated. Um, you know, and you're still working through that story and still working through that journey. You know, as, as a teenager growing up, I was, um, you know, I had a, a form of disconnection at school um, about being at school, you know, who I was with at school. Uh, the relationships that I had at school weren't weren't um, ones of help sort of thing or supportive or inclusive, um, quite harmful to me as a person, sort of how I was going about it. Um, and, you know, just totally disconnected from who I was as a person and, and and not being aware or understanding that at that age manifested into something so much more devastating as I was going along because I didn't deal with the process at the time. Could things have been differently in my life? Who knows, right? But that's, that's how the life journey works. But luckily for me, I um I, I played footy, so that was my that was my escape. And that was it was a big part of my connection into um, living. Um, you know, I was a, was a sort of a superstar junior footballer, um, you know, from, from schools and, you know, I was a state captain and winning Australian awards and all these sorts of things right through school. Uh, early draft pick, went to Adelaide, um, started at, played at Adelaide Crows for a couple of years. Then I was at Hawthorne for five years and then I was at North Melbourne for a year. And through that time, 
not dealing with the emotional distress of what my life was. Um, alcohol was a was a uh, was a worst enemy of mine, but a best friend at the same time. If that makes mm. sense. Um, you know, binge drinking to a point where it was, you know, extremely dangerous. Um, but that was the escape that I had. Um, you know, drugs then became a part of my world in my latter part of my AFL career. Um, you know, so between alcohol and drugs, um, you know, that was a, was a huge issue that I didn't recognise. I knew it, but I didn't recognise it. Does that make sense? So I knew what it was and I knew I shouldn't have been doing it, but I didn't feel... I could do anything else to actually escape what was going on here. Um, and then for the next six years of my life after that, after I finished, so I finished AFL when I was 25, so it was 2005, so that's a, it's a while ago now. Um, yeah, but I was a high-functioning, we've been diagnosed as a high-functioning drug addict for the next six years of my life. So, um, you know, I was a PT in the city. I was, you know, I was successful in my business and doing that sort of thing, um, but living with absolute demons inside my head and my heart that um, that I just didn't know how to deal with. Um, and that was the only way I knew how to deal with it. And then there was, you know, you know, and, I, and people go, oh, this is the biggest issue that we have in this space still is that people will always ask the question, well, what have you got to be depressed about? Or what have you got to be blah, blah, blah about? So, you know, I just had issues like many other people that I just didn't deal with and it become something worse and more devastating than it should have been. Mm. Is it my fault? Is it anyone's fault? No one's fault. It's just the way that life works and the journey that we're on. Um, you know, in the drug and alcohol world that I was involved with, you know, it was a was a, was seeing that was just like, you know, a lot of people around me were involved in as well, but it just didn't affect them as much as it did me at that time. Um you know, so different personalities, different ways, different DNA makeup that actually attaches you to different things, right? So, but then, you know, I had my last suicide attempt um, in 2011. So I had um, multiple suicide attempts uh, in the in the years leading up to that. And when I say suicide attempts in the lead, years leading up, it was all focused around the, the substance drug world. But I thought, okay, well, this is this would be a good way to go out sort of thing. It wasn't, it wasn't caring of actually living the next day. The thoughts of not being a part of this world um, was where I was at for a long time. Um, didn't, you know, no self-worth, no process, no no identity, no, no. There was love and care towards me, but I just didn't feel it. I, I didn't understand how I was actually able to give it out. So, But then after my last suicide attempt, it was you know time of conversation and talk about, hitting rock bottom to actually come up, um, that was my absolute rock bottom and, and probably below that. Um, and then, uh, you know, conversations with my wife and, you know, the beautiful person that she is, mm. um, you know, the non-judgmental, no expectations, no sympathy. It wasn't one of those conversations. It wasn't that part of the process, um, you know, and then she sort of said, you know, what are you, it's nice to have that information. And this is where people get wrong. It's nice to have these conversations, right? It's understanding. We have these conversations. We want to go and then it's what do you want to do with that information, mm. okay? Yeah, I've told you my story. I've told you the thing, but what do you want to do with that? So and that's what my wife says. She goes, well, what do you want to do with that? What do you want to do here now? And putting it back onto the person and, and you know, really feeling the fact that, well, I actually need to get support. I want to do something about this now. Um, you know, and I was, I was very lucky that I had avenues around it, but I still needed to do it myself 
And this is the thing where people sort of lapse back into sort of mental health episodes or a diagnosis or even physical ailments we'll talk about. It's actually being able to want to do it and actually putting yourself in that position to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to accept this. I'm going to acknowledge this. I'm going to do this consistently. Is it going to work for me all the time? No. For example, I went and saw three different psychologists before I um, was connected into a psychiatrist at the Melbourne Clinic. So, you know, and the first time I went and saw a psychologist, I was stoned. So that wasn't going to work. So, But I had to keep working that avenue to move forward because I knew what I wanted to be at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it was more not so much just the, the professional health service that I was getting. It was just the genuine love that my wife was able to give me and my mum and my sister and then extending that out again. Um, and I thought, well, there's more to my world than what I was doing. Mm. So I thought, well, why not start a charity that can help other people? And now here I am, 10 years later. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, um, but I love what I do. Like it's. Did you have a clear vision when you started Love Me, Love You of what it was going to be? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, this vision was going to change the world. And, you know, it was. Um, and this is, this is the difference where I was at at the time. And for anyone that's been involved in, um, we'll call it a recovery process, right? So whether it be from a mental health uh, diagnosis or has it been drugs and alcohol, your, your brain just goes, poor, I'm going to do everything now. Like I'm on top of the world and I'm going to conquer everything. And at that time, because I hadn't really had been able to actually have a proper thought process for a long time because I was so numb. Um, and my vision was, you know, we had some really hardcore programs that we were going to deliver, um, you know, some, some real deep, deep sort of things that were going to go on, but it wasn't really accessible to the, to the public. You know, we were really focused on the early days through youth and that was our thing, um, you know, and that's now changed fairly, you know, we're actually the programs and everything we do now. So the vision of what we wanted to do at the start is more like what we're actually doing now. Okay, um, so and then it's just sort of working out. You know, I was very lucky that uh, a lady, um, Maddie Clements, who's the director, of, the acting director of the AIS. Oh, you know, I know Matt. I know Maddie. Yeah, her yeah, kids go to my kids' school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolute legend of the game. Um, yeah. So she's been a, a connector, a big connection of mine in the, in the journey of love me, love you. Um, and been a mentor of mine for a long time in this space, and you know, and personally, um, you know, I went to her. It's quite funny. Like I went to her and said, you know, we had lots of conversations. She goes, "All right, what do you want to do with it?" Simple. <laughs> I go, "All right, I want inf- courses on this." And I went in and I had, "Can you just put this in one course? Is this, is this how this works?" And I had like a list. I had like forty-five topics. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know how it all worked. And blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, forty-five topics. She goes, "Well, actually, that's." Let's just bring it back, um, you know, and, and just being able to sort of uh, learn off the, the the legends of the game and, and in terms of community, whether it be in the allied health space, you know, psychologists, you know, one of our directors now um, is a neuro uh, neuropsych called Daniela DeFazio. It's, you know, she's, she's an absolute legend for us. Um, but it's bringing it back to the impact that we can have with the community. And I think, and using, we use sports clubs as that powerful vehicle. Um, you know, we're really engaged with sports clubs across the board, community groups across the board, trying to make, uh, you know, the training programs that we have accessible to them. 
you know, the education, the platforms that we have accessible to them. Um, because in the end, a lot of the, as I said, there's a lot of organisations in the mental health sector now that are not accredited for anything. There's no actual rural evidence-based or evidence-informed programming that actually is actually something. There's no real substance. So um, there's a lot of Instagram specialists now, all right? So it's actually something that okay, well, how do we make ours accessible with accredited programming? Um, and, you know, our program is accredited through Suicide Prevention Australia. We're one of 24 organisations in the country that are accredited for, for this type of programming into the suicide prevention space. You know, we have an online platform now that is a cross between social media and a health app. So we're not trying to fix people. We're not a blueprint to anything. We're just trying to create more accessible information for people to be able to use and what they do. And then we provide support, you know, and that's the biggest thing. You know, a lot of the... A lot of organisations fail at that because they surround themselves and acknowledge the fact that they need information, they need education, they need training, they need conversation, all that sort of stuff. But when it hits the fan, what are you going to do? So we're a support partner that we have uh, at TX. We were able to, you know, create a, a, a that sort of talk about that holistic value around a person to say, okay, connect. Connect the cause, connect the information, educate you through what needs to be educated on, then be able to support you no matter what stage you are on your journey and not waiting for crisis to come before you're supported. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. Yeah. What are you saying? What are you saying um, are the main mental health challenges? It's a pretty broad question, but are the main mental health challenges amongst <laughs> young people at the moment? Amongst young people, uh, I think identity is a big one for young people. Mm. Uh, Comparative society that we live in, um, and the, there's that for you know through social media and, and the life. Keeping up with the Joneses is a big one. Um, uh, so sort of young people are dealing with expectations on them of, of being something that they aren't. The the, the modelling modelling behaviours that are being put on from parents and you know or coaches or anyone that's sort of you know adults sort of uh, adult connection that they have. Um, you know, they're, they're so worldly these days, youth, <laughs> mm. but don't know how to use it, <laughs> yeah. right? So, and I've been saying this a lot a bit lately, trying to deal with uh, youngins, that the accessibility to information is actually creating a confused system for them, okay? So it's great to have information, but, you know, a 15-year-old these days, will take in more information in a week than I did at the same age in a whole year, yeah. okay? So trying to filter that into a, the brain that's still not fully developed mm. and we put that through, it's not working for them. It's actually creating a lot of confusion, creating a lot of anxiety. Um, but then there's a certain ones that actually, that's a generalised statement, but there's certain ones that are actually dealing with it really well or are they actually just really good at repeating information? Okay, so there's certain people that can actually, you know, memorise an article and, you know, they, they spill it out and actually sound really, you know, sound really intelligent or really informative in how they go about it. Or actually do they believe it? Do they actually accept the information, acknowledge what's going on and actually utilise it for their own individual experience, okay? Not just because that's something that they read. Even the, the, even the process now, you know, I say this around social media because it's, a, you know, it is, it's taking over a lot of people's lives. And it's, if you can't get something done now, you don't want it. 
right? So you, you talk about this in terms of flicking through all the you know people's other people's journeys and what they're posting, whatever it is. You're actually not engaging in you know beautiful sceneries or experiences sort of thing, and your human connection to other people's in actually real life um, human connection. People are losing the value of what that looks like, um, and you know our mental health is measured doing the energy between multiple people, okay? And it's a lot easier in our lives, especially in the youth, because that's, that's all they know, is that the fact that they don't need a, a in, in, in-person relationship. And then when they get it, they don't actually know how to behave or know how to communicate. They don't know how to deal with confrontation. They don't need how to deal with certain stressful situations because it's not just that's not their generalised interaction. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think yeah. as well, it, um, I think the the concept of technology and social media and um, the fact that um, youth's attention span is taken away, I think that's a really big thing as well because yeah. if you've got the space and the time to self-reflect and to consider the fact that you have an internal life, you know, we're so... We're so everyone at the moment looks to external validation, external life, but really you've got to know that you have your own internal life that no one else can know. And if you can get that, it um, it really can. I think that's a really important thing for youth to um, to understand about themselves. Yeah, yeah. As you said, it's that balance, right? So not just not telling, and telling not a youth or even an adult. Yeah. You tell them not to do something, they're actually going to do it more, right? So so they engage with it. So it's actually really trying to find your balance in working that through. And, you know, as I said, sharing your stories and sharing your own ways of going about it, using those platforms for the good, um, uh, it's down to interpretation because every whoever is listening, whoever and how many people are listening to this, everyone's going to have a different interpretation of what we are actually communicating here. Um, but it's finding what works for you. Okay, if this works for me and this makes me feel better holistically and how I'm going, how am I approaching this, then good. If it's not working for me, what's the change that I need to make? And then asking yourself that question, am I being the person I want to be right now? Yeah, it's a really, really hard question. You go, well, actually, no, I'm not. Well, why not? Okay, what is it that I'm doing? You know, for me, you know, and I look at that in terms of balance and how it all works, physical exercise is a big part of my mental health strategy. It's a big part. It's not the only part, but it's a big part. I wake up at 4 a.m. in the morning and I go to, you know, I go to the gym and I, I meditate and sort of do my breathing practices before I do my training and I'll physically train for, you know, an hour, an hour and a half and I'll do my thing and then I'll go back and I'll walk back into the door um, to my four-year-old and seven-year-old boys before they wake up, hopefully, hopefully before they wake up, um, you know, by quarter to seven in the morning. Big part of my day. But is it the physical exercise component that I'm actually engaging with to find my balance or is it the fact that I'm just loving me time and I'm not having actually to communicate with anyone? Mm-hmm. Finding my time and finding my balance and how it all works, am I actually reading it in the right way? So am, I, am I putting so much pressure on myself if I don't train that day? You know, then there's the eating, the healthy eating choices that I'm trying to surround that with, but then, you know, then, I, then I'll... Then I'll go and eat bloody three rows of caramel chocolate at night or, you know, at, at a minimum sort of thing. And do I find that balance? How does that work? And people go, oh, why do you do that? You know, and you do that sort of thing. And the thing is helping people understand that it's just it's your balance, right, and, and what that is because we all want to find that inner peace in how we go about things, you know, and I believe, you know, true self-awareness is being at peace with yourself without that judgment. 
Um, and I think that's if we can get to that point, we're all going to be better off. But it takes work. Mm. Life is not easy. Your health is not easy if you complicate it, right? But let's simplify our approach to it and then make sure that we can do that in terms of having that impact in our community. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lance, you touched on it previously, um, talking about sporting clubs and connecting with sporting clubs. Um, A particular sporting club is a huge part of our family's life. Our children play sport, but we're very much a part of of the club. Um, What what value do you see in community sports clubs? Oh, they're everything. I think they're the the hub, right? So in terms of engagement, um, you know, not all clubs get it right. Don't get me wrong, not all clubs are right. But a lot of clubs, majority of clubs, are a place of inclusiveness, no matter your ability, your talent, or, or what your outcomes are on the weekend. Are. And okay, so people engage in, in, in community clubs and use it as a powerful place of inclusion and belonging. You know, I believe in, in team sports or even whatever sporting club you're involved in, whatever club it is. I believe in the power of it if it's used in the right way. These days is a lot better than it was 10, 20 years ago. Okay, so 10, 20 years ago, if you were the best in terms of the outcome of your sport, you were more included, you were more sort of mm. put on the all those sorts of things. Okay, but there's so much involvement in terms of the community and how it impacts people's lives because that might be their only safe space. And I say this in the nicest possible way. There's so, much th- there's so many things going on in people's lives now that that's the only place that they actually feel okay at. Okay, and it's and it's helping people understand that when that person comes here, we need to make sure that their experience is exactly the same as everybody else's, and that's a positive experience. So when they leave here, that they can take these uh, relationships, they can take the tools, they can take that experience back into their life at home, whether at school or at work, and feel the same love. <laughs> But that takes a that takes a lot of work. So you know, we we talk about the fact that you know, say say a club that has a hundred members, right? So in terms of players, you know, staff, that sort of thing. And then there's the parents, and then there's the brothers and sisters, and then there's this. So a hundred person in terms of players and clubs, there's probably four to five hundred people that are actually involved with that club. Okay, so they all need to feel loved, right? which is a really hard thing to do to so many people. But if everyone plays their little role, then they're all going to be better off. Mm-hmm. And this is why we believe we have a big concentration at the foundation at Love Me Love You around why we want to be more involved at sporting clubs and community groups is because we want to make the information and the support accessible to them, okay? And, and we go to sports clubs because we feel safe at that sports club. You should never go into a sports club thinking fear, Thinking, why am I here? Nobody likes me. I'm not dis- I mean, I'm so disconnected. Okay, um, but there's still there's still a generational or cultural shift that we need to make to make sure that it doesn't matter who you are when you walk through that door, that you are accepted, you are supported, you are included, and we're all going to be okay on this journey together. No matter if you kick, you play footy and kick six goals, or if you don't get a game, <laughs> or if you're, you know doing the drinks or the canteen or wherever it is. So the general experience is that we're all in this together. Mm. Um, and I think that's the power that we all need to be able to approach. As I said, not everyone gets it right. Mm. There's still people in this system that are actually bringing their outside world 
and the pain and the traumas and all these sorts of things that are going or their, you know, their behaviours around alcohol and drugs, you know, their abusive behaviours, whatever it might be, they're actually bringing that and actually disrupting cultures, positive cultures within community groups and sports clubs. So we're sort of trying to work sure how we can support, put support systems around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nance, yeah. can you run through um, <laughs> some of the resources and offerings of Love, Love Me, Love You is yeah. at the moment? Yeah, 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 definitely. So, so we our core programs that we deliver is our Welfare Warrior program. Okay, so this is what we so this is the accredited program through Suicide Prevention Australia. Um, it is literally a how to how take a, a a normal everyday person, which we all are, okay, and take away your professional hat, take away whatever life your hat is at home. Actually, how to identify how to connect the conversation and how to escalate that conversation to a support system that that person may need. It's not a professional, it's not fixing anyone, but it works. Okay, so it's accessible information. So it's a big program that we deliver. You know, we have an online platform called Never Alone. It's a Never Alone community that we deliver that through. So there'll be, you know, short courses continuously being released through that. All the resources, you know, just from simple how to have a conversation, Talked about social media. We talked about all different, all different processes. So as I said, that this that I had when I talked about before is about forty-five topics on there. We're slowly getting our way through it. <laughs> Ten years later, right? Um, you know, our support system, our support partner that we we work with, um, TX, that is a big resource. Okay, and what that means is that they, with them, in conjunction with us, they are able to offer. 10 free counselling sessions for every individual that accesses them, right? So for a person to go go through that, you know, say they access the 10 sessions, that's 1500 bucks that they will be saving, Mm. you know, and we need to actually escalate that further on to more sessions and that's perfectly fine, or they need to get to a psychologist or whatever the process needs to be of escalation. Um, But then we surround that support with the education. As I said, it's not just the hour that you spend, it's the rest of the week that you actually need to engage with to make that work. So that's what we do at the foundation, essentially. Um, you know, through clubs, we, we have like a club membership, you know, so we're actually trying to create more communities within communities um, so that they're all actually speaking with each other, not just um, sort of being sort of individualised in their approach. Um, so we're trying to create more communities. You know, we've got government, government conversations and, and, you know, corporate and CSR programming that we're able to sort of engage more. Um, you know, we're constantly looking out for um, champions to sort of, uh, you know, in terms of facilitation, those sorts of things to, to keep working with what we do, um, you know, because we need an army of people to deliver our, our, our vision, um, you know, fully substance, you know, people of substance and value and passion for the cause, which, which most people have, but there's different levels of that, as we know. Um, you know, we, we aim to in the next two years to have a you know to target a thousand sports clubs, you know, and that's just within that's just within Victoria. So, you know, that's the big sort of reach we're going through, you know, but we believe the power of sport and the vehicle that we can use in terms of our information and training. Yeah. Alpha one of us connected right. Yeah, you've probably touched on it as well, but um our allied health therapy listeners who maybe treating clients with mental health challenges, how yeah. can they engage with Love Me, Love You? Yeah, yeah, I think it's so. Is this is, is obviously contacting us through the website and all those sorts of things? But try what we want to do. And it might be a, a cool way to do this with, with you, you um, 
and Clarendon now is having your own uh, community within our Never Alone community. And I think that's the big one, all right? So it is actually just having people in there. As I said, it's not a social media site. It's not a health app site. Yeah. It's a place connection where actually you're being able to share information with each other, resources, courses that you might be able to do, you know, events, you've got streaming, all that sort of stuff going on. It. Um, but in with that, it's actually literal resources that a person can use if they need to have a conversation with somebody, if they need to escalate a conversation past that, to where they need to get to. So there's just all these little tip sheets, information pieces that we all need to be a part of. So, um, And they could join that community just via your website. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll um, work with you guys to actually – so there's the Never Alone itself. There's the Love Me, Love You one. But we can actually in there put specific groups, okay? okay. Um, so secret groups and private groups, all these sorts of things that we can make all these things happen. So um, and as I said, it's just continually actually developing people through that. Um, because, as I said, even when you, and, and you know, when, when you do a course or when you do a training or you do an education piece, whatever it might be, you actually only take in, what, 5% if you, at best, right? So it's actually making it um, accessible again. So going into it, so the biggest barrier that people have with trying to have a conversation is the fear of not knowing what to say, okay? Mm-hmm. So having the information accessible you know, even at the, the, the palm of your hand to say, okay, well, these are the tips that I need to engage with before I have this conversation. It's as simple as it is, okay? Well, these are the tips I need to do with this, simple as it is. So we'll um, we'll set that up and then people can um, can join in. So here we go. Yeah, that'd be fantastic, Lance. Cool. Um, now, lastly, you mentioned, mentioned the Never Alone campaign um, and the song A Call to the Broken Hearted. Um, I listened to it first thing this morning um, and it's so powerful. Yeah. Really moving to say the least. Can you can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. I, um, so I, I just had, I've got no creative bones whatsoever. <laughs> I, I don't even smell, I can't even spell creative properly, right? <laughs> it's work, but I know the power of it all has. I know, I know what song, I know what expression, um, uh, the power that it can have on people and the impact that it can have on people. And I, I went to the guys, Maddie and Andrew, and asked, you know, to launch around the sort of promotion of the Never Alone campaign, the projects that we do. Um, and I gave them a list of words, and this is the theme that I would like out of it. Um, and, you know, they came back to us with this song um, and, you know, like I'm a pretty emotional guy as well. Like I'm, I'm pretty raw and emotively sort of accessible, we'll say. Um, and this song just it gave me chills. And I think a lot of people are listening to it. If you open yourself to the to listening to the words properly, and then feeling the you know feeling the music that comes with it, I think it's extremely powerful. Um, you know, a lot of people that are, the feedback that they've been getting it's about it's, it's, it takes you to the edge of your emotion, but drives home just just strength, you know, and, and a lot of hope and a lot of courage, the fact that i um, using this. And, you know, uh, and the impact, we talk about the impact that music can have. Like my, my I've got four-year-old and seven-year-old boys um, and I play it a lot at home, so it has to become their favourite song. But my seven-year-old has, has said to me that um, they have to do an experience at school where they have to perform a song, you know, and he wants to perform this song. He's in grade one. Mm. 
So, and he listens to the words and he, he actually tries to help and understand. I think that's what we just need to be able to share that message to people because, as it says, we're, we're all got a little bit of a broken heart, right? So in terms of emotionally where we're at on our journey, um, but, you know, people helping people understand that we're, we're in this together, um, but you've got to open yourself to that support system. Yeah. yeah. So you can find it on Spotify and iTunes and YouTubes and everywhere else and... <laughs> It's um yeah, it's just about spreading that message of, of hope to a lot of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. found a lot of value, um, Lance, in in um watching it on um LinkedIn and having the lyrics come up as well. I mean the, the lyrics are perfectly audible, but seeing them in front of them and reading them um as the song plays, it's they're, they're really powerful lyrics. Yeah, 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 definitely. So um and it helps my karaoke skills, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, most definitely. So it's um, but yeah, as I said, on all the platforms there and on, and on the YouTube there, it's um, you can see it. And as I said, the words and, and find what those words mean to you because mm-hmm. everyone listening to the song will have a different feeling. So. Yeah, but it's uh, pretty cool. So just looking forward to as I said, the Never Alone campaign is just making sure that we walk this journey together. And I think this is um, it's what we're getting bringing it back to. That's great. We'll definitely be sharing it with our networks. So um, thanks so much for joining us today, Lance, and for taking time out on World Mental Health Day. Um, It's great that you've shared your lived experience on battling mental health challenges and everything that's been achieved through Love Me, Love You. So to all of our listeners, whether it be personal or professional, go to lovemeloveyou.org.au. Yeah, that's it for more information. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you, Claire and Danielle. It's an absolute pleasure. There's so much beauty on one page. <laughs> and, 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 you know, it's about the, it's not the rose between two thorns. It's, it's not the other way. I don't know how that works. <laughs> Appreciate it. You can, be the rose, you can be the rose, lad. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have thought so, but we'll work. <laughs> Thank you Thanks, very much. Lance. We hope you enjoyed listening to the Allied Health Podcast. In the show's notes, you'll find links to our free recruitment resources, job opportunities and healthcare marketplace insights. To listen to new episodes, please subscribe via Apple, Google or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. And if you've enjoyed the show, please give it a five-star rating and review and be sure to tell your therapy colleagues and friends to tune in.